Scripture reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, John 12, beginning at verse 17 through 22. John 12, beginning at verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. God be pleased with the reading of his word. Please be seated. In 1914, Reverend Elma Lukes preached the very first sermon to a small group of Baptists who would become Lindbrook Baptist Church. His text was John 12, 21, We Would See Jesus. And today, after 107 years of existence and After 11 years of ministry here with you, I could think of no better text to turn to to close out our ministry than using these same words, we would see Jesus. First, within the context, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem for, for the last time in what we would call the triumphal entry. Hosannas filled the air. The crowd was electric with excitement. The crowd that had witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus uh, from the tomb could not keep quiet and had been spreading the word about his amazing miracle. And uh, the many followers followed Jesus as well as the curious who had flocked to accompany him into the holy city. Now, wherever Jesus went, there was always two groups of people. There were those people who rejected him who were negligent, who could care less about him. Then there were those who wanted to see more of him and to hear more of him. So with this jubilant crowd, we have the Pharisees who grew exasperated and worried, worried and filled with fear. And they were saying to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now, the Greek word cosmos, translated world, obviously does not mean every single person on earth. There are at least seven definitions of the term world in Scripture, from the cosmos, from from ordering of the, the planets and the stars to meaning every single person on earth to meaning a large group of mixed individuals, such as Jews and Gentiles. And it's always the context that defines the definition. Here, in this context, it's the latter meaning. Uh, A large group of mixed individuals is meant. And the Pharisees had been feeling increasingly threatened by Jesus' popularity amongst the people. And Jesus had said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And those words 
destroy the temple, they wrongly felt as a threat against the sacred building, which represented to them the presence of God and the whole system of Judaism. And so they were shocked to hear those words. And now with the apparent support growing amongst the people, the Pharisees felt, felt very, that their very jobs and their sacred traditions were in danger of being lost. And so they were angry. They were fearful. But there was another group in the crowd as well. Greeks. These were most likely God-fearers is the term, meaning that they were attracted to Judaism and its emphasis on on one God as well as the morality, uh, but did not commit themselves to being circumcised or the the nationalism that marked the, the land. And they came with a simple yet beautiful request. We would see Jesus. They approached Philip. Now, Philip is a Greek name, though he himself was Jewish, and that may have been why these Greeks approached him, or perhaps they knew him already. But they came seeking to speak with Jesus. They desired to know more of Jesus and who he was and to hear more of his teachings. They would not leave it as a wish but actively pursued their their spiritual longings by going to Philip and asking, we would see Jesus. Philip tells Andrew, and both go and tell Jesus. And then Jesus afterwards began to speak of his soon-to-come death and the necessity of following him as Lord. We would see Jesus. There are three ways I see these words appropriate to our church and our church's future. First, in regards to your next pastor, whomever he might be, in him and in his preaching, we would see Jesus. He'll be different. Maybe not quite as handsome as I, but you'll have to live with that. His pulpit presence will be different. He'll sound different, and that's all okay. But you must see Jesus in his preaching and in his teaching and even in his life. As these Greeks approach Philip as a bridge to Jesus, so should the new pastor be a bridge to Jesus for you. Matthew Henry wrote, It is good to know those who know Jesus. Those that would see Jesus by faith now that he is in heaven must apply to his ministers, whom he has appointed for this purpose, to guide souls in their inquiries after him. In the next pastor's preaching and teaching, we must see Jesus. You may be saying to yourself, well, of course, We want him to preach Jesus. Now, I do not really worry so much someone coming in and and preaching heresy. I feel very confident in your spiritual maturity and all the teaching that we have done that you would not allow that. 
that it would be smelt out really quick. But there is a more subtle trend in preaching you must be aware of. And in much of today's preaching, Jesus is given a small space. Like a piece of parsley on the dinner plate. He's there, but it's kind of off to the side. Mentioned to provide legitimacy, but he's not the main meal. And too often today, preachers tend to preach that that feel-good gospel. They preach how wonderful you are and have a number of points to make you even better. Harry D'Antona said something the other day in the the prayer meeting caught my attention. And he he said, too often with new, New Day preachers, it's much talk, less text. I thought that was spot on. You need to be aware. You don't really need to be told how wonderful you are. You need to be told how wonderful he is. And once you grasp that, it'll be wonderful for you to know how much he loves you. Take to heart Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Quote, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. In 1 Corinthians 1.23, Paul states, but we preach Christ crucified. <clears throat> Spurgeon taught, quote, the motto of all true servants of God must be we preach Christ and him crucified. A sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth preaching. And Sproul adds, your task, O preacher, is to make sure that you are faithful to the text that you are faithful to the proclamation of that gospel and that you are faithful to set forth the whole counsel of God and then step back and let it happen. I pray that your next pastor, and I'm very confident that you'll be looking for this type of man, that he will hold in highest esteem this word of God as the inerrant, inspired, and infallible word of God that it is, and that he will preach the word in such a way that you will see Jesus in his preaching. And in addition to that, expect your next pastor to live such a Christ-like life as an example that you will see Jesus in his life. John 13, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, He said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3 reads, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, 
but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but examples to the flock. He is to be an ex- set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and in purity. To the next pastor, you can expect that he should be living in a manner in which you can see Jesus in his life. There's a second way to speak about these words. We would see Jesus. And that way is for you to live it out in such devotion to one another that you see Jesus in one another. This was Jesus' command. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love expressed in gentleness and kindness, patience, forgiveness, and encouragement is how people see Jesus in you. They see Jesus in you when you do not react like the world reacts. When you are quick to forgive, slow to anger, when you don't hold a grudge, when you are willing to sacrifice for others and are confidently humble enough to put others before yourself. Practicing hospitality and continue to meet one another's needs even if it costs. These attitudes and behaviors reflect Jesus to others. One person wrote, quote, Those without Christ only know conditional love, selfish love, erotic love. But when you show an unworldly love, a love that is sacrificial and without limits, preferences, or condition, others can't help but see Jesus in you. Which brings me to the third way that these words can be understood. We would see Jesus, and that is from the community. We have made great inroads into our community. We have made these inroads in an effort to bring the love of Christ into our neighborhoods. We have been involved and have actively met needs within the community. This is following Jesus' own words in Matthew 5, beginning at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a barrel. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Two thousand and ten when I started <clears throat> it was actually the end part of two thousand and nine, but I came and I, I walked through the neighborhood. And as has been my custom as an intentional interim, I dropped in on a couple of local shops. And I asked the, the proprietor, <clears throat> the guy behind the counter, I said, Tell me, do you know where Lindbrook Baptist Church is? 
I knew where it was. I want to see if they knew where it was. And the number that I went into of these shops, no one knew. They were sending me to the Methodist church and the Catholic church and Lutheran church. Nobody knew. Then I happened to go into the Limbrook gift shop. And at that time, uh, Bill Gaylor was there. Bill was a very nice man. Uh, He was kind of uh, a pillar of the community. He's since passed. But he was very friendly and introduced us, myself. And he said, oh, come in. He always had this chair, apparently, that he always chatted with people. And he took me there, and we had a lovely conversation. Near the end, he was struggling to say something. I could see he was a little, he wanted to say something that was just hard to say. I encouraged him. He said, you know, Pastor, if you don't mind me saying so, your church seems secluded. Now, that set off a red flag in my mind. At that time, I said to myself, after 97 years in this neighborhood, and the best that Bill Gaylor could, who was the president of the Chamber of Commerce, could say is our church is secluded. And the people in the shops don't know where we are. So I brought that information back to the elders. And we chartered a course to get out into the neighborhood. And we began to build bridges into the community, first by participating in their events, like running the 4K, okay, and the mayor's golf outing, and, and parades, and the expo, and the winter street fair. And then we began the annual sport benefit game, first in softball and then basketball. And the funds that were raised, uh, we used for various uh, local community uh, uh, groups. This led to my being asked to be a chaplain of the fire and the police department here in Lindbrook. And we began to offer help to the schools as they were ministering to uh, to families in need. And, And schools began to call us. We offered scholarships to graduating Lindbrook high schoolers. And I'm sure that there are other things that I just can't remember. But you get the point. We wanted to become visible and an integral part of this Lindbrook community and the surrounding areas. We didn't want to be secluded anymore. Fast forward 10 years to 2020. The chair of the community chest, Laura Ryder, posted this on Facebook, after our food drive for the Salvation Army, she wrote, quote, Pastor Bob and his congregation at Lindbrook Baptist Church are a wonderful, caring group of people. They have continually been very generous to those in need in Lindbrook, and Lindbrook is a better village because of them. Realize what you've done? From secluded to making Lindbrook Village a better place. Because we have taken the love of Christ out there and gotten involved in the community. <clears throat> Thank you, Laura. You know, in Luke 2:52, it reads, "And Jesus grew in favor with God and man." And that was the goal of our, our church, to grow in favor with God in here and with man out there. I think to a large extent we have started to do that. Much more work needs to be done out there. And it is my prayer for this church 
is my prayer that as you minister and serve our community with, with good works, that the Spirit uh, would indeed prod hearts out there, that they may ask of you, we would see Jesus. They would ask of you, what motivates you to do this? What force prompts you to be involved and to help? You'll be able to share this love of Jesus. Share Jesus with them. <clears throat> that they would be attracted and want to know more about him. As I look back on these 11 years, I believe in my preaching and teaching, you have seen Jesus. I believe that we, Helen and I, though we're not perfect, we've made some mistakes, maybe failed at some times, that in our lives and in our marriage, you saw Jesus as we loved and cared and had concern for you. In Paul's last letter, which we concluded on Thursday night, he sums up his life writing it this way. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I believe I and we can truly claim the same. The tasks at times were difficult, but we persevered. And like a family, we have We've laughed together, we've cried together, we've argued sometimes, but we've gotten through. Paul saw the end of his race, because he was soon to be executed. Not nearly as dramatic, I'm just retiring. But we see the finish to our race here at Lindbergh. God has other things for us still planned. And even in retirement, we will still serve him in some capacity. And we have kept the faith. We have presented the gospel, the whole counsel of God to you. We've held Jesus up high as Lord and Savior. And the grace of God is the reason why we're here. It's been good. It's been a good 11 years for us. Before coming here, you know, I was involved in intentional interim ministry, which is oftentimes very difficult because you're always going to churches that were conflicted and trying to bring healing. But when we came here, we often said to us, ourselves over the years, the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. Good church, and you are a blessing to us, and we appreciate all of you. And now as we transition, I know and I ask you, as you did to us, that you will welcome and extend the love and grace to the next minister and his wife and family when they arrive, that you will support them as you have supported us. But remember, church is about 
we will not see Bob Alderman for the next pastor. We would see Jesus. Jesus crucified, risen, and coming again. Can I get an amen? Let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. And Lord, our life <clears throat> comes from him. All that he has done, Lord. And we praise you for that. And I pray, Lord, that your faithfulness to this church will continue. I know it will, Lord, as they faithfully seek to serve you. I pray, Lord, for the next man who will fill this pulpit, that he's already on his way that you're stirring in him <clears throat> as well as directing us to each other. So, Lord, we are confident of the future, and, Lord, we know that you go before us, and that's confidence enough. Thank you for this time together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>